Carmasino, criminal justice reporter with the Baton Rouge Advocate, who wrote a fascinating story and a disturbing story as well. Good morning, Elise. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am okay. I hope you had a nice holiday season. I did. I did. I hope you did, too. I did. I'm ready to move on to regular business now, get back to routine. I'm reading the first paragraph of your story here. When it comes to guns connected to crimes, Louisiana supplies more to Texas than the other way around, despite a sevenfold difference in population between the Lone Star and Bayou states, according to federal data. But Mm -hmm. Mississippi funnels more to Louisiana than vice versa, even though it has half the people. I I don't want to get in the way of you telling this story about the gun pipeline, so I'm going to turn the floor over to you, Elise, and I'll jump in with questions where I have them, because... I don't know if people saw the story or not, but I, I found it eye-opening. The floor, madam, is yours. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, I, I also found that very interesting. Um, when we were looking at the ATF data, we weren't really sure what we were going to find. Um, what really prompted the story was I had learned um, about another existing pipeline um, called uh, – it's, it's called the Iron Pipeline, and it goes along I-95 from Florida to Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I heard about that, and I just wanted to see if maybe there was anything similar happening uh, sort of west of that. Um, and when I looked at the data, uh, it, it was kind of incomplete. So it was a little bit hard to say. Uh, something that could be affecting those numbers, though, um, is the fact that not every law enforcement agency participates in the ATF's uh, E-Trace program, which um, – basically follows uh, crime guns as they pop up in the course of criminal investigations. Uh, so, so the numbers, uh, while they were interesting, um, population-wise, the number of guns that are popping up in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, um, it, it was hard to come to any kind of firm conclusion as to why those numbers might be. What is it that made you look into this initially? Um, well, connection I, with the iron pipeline that you're talking about and you wanted to see if or was there a specific crime or something that that was the tipping point made you look at this? Uh, just it was out of curiosity um, if that was an issue that uh, was happening along kind of the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see if there was something happening in the other direction. I just thought it was a really fascinating topic. So what are the top five states where guns come from and go to? Um, So in Louisiana, the top five states where uh, recovered crime guns came from in 2021 were Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Um, And the top states where our crime guns ended up were Texas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Colorado, um, and then to a lesser extent, uh, also Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Washington. Colorado. That seems to jump out at me for some reason. (laughs) <laughs> well, I also thought Washington um, Oh, not was to mention Washington. Yeah, it's true. Um, why, why Louisiana? Is it because of the amount of guns? How does this all get started? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, one thing that is important to note is that uh, in Louisiana, as in all 50 states, um, most crime guns that pop up in the course of investigations do originate within states. So most guns that pop up in Louisiana crimes um, were purchased in Louisiana. Um, but, uh, really it kind of comes down to, uh, I'm sorry, do you mind repeating the question? <laughs> oh, no, no, I was just, um, wondering where, where does it start is it because so many guns are in Louisiana 
or guns are stolen in Louisiana. I just wonder why Louisiana is such an exporter of guns. Um, so something, another thing that is important to note, uh, as I was saying, um, it, it's not it, it's not a higher exporter of guns than really any other state. Um, what the story was looking at was just for Louisiana specifically, where are our guns coming from and going to? So Louisiana does have um, a high number of uh, guns and gun owners, um, and but it's also unique because it's surrounded by a lot of other states uh, that are also um, uh, have a high percentage of, of guns compared to population. So uh, there is a lot of free-flowing movement of guns between states where there are more lax gun laws, um, but there are fewer guns from Louisiana popping up, I guess, in states in the north. Um, yeah. So what is it that's driving the flow of the guns? Uh, well, for the story, one of the people I spoke with was Professor Joseph Vince. Uh, he's a criminology professor at Mount St. Mary's University in Maryland. He's also a former ATF agent himself. Um, and he told me that it really all comes down to economics. Uh, where can someone make the most profit from selling a gun? Uh, he said it usually helps the purchaser steal the gun from markets where firearms are easier to get a hold of. Uh, like Louisiana, which has a, as I said, much higher rate of gun ownership than the national average. Uh, something else that I found interesting while researching for the story was that the flow of guns between states can really say a lot about the connections between those regions. Uh, a lot of times, gun flows follow the uh, flow of migration as people head across state lines. Um, you know, they're looking for jobs, or in the case of Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina, uh, a lot of New Orleans residents moved to Texas after the storm and they brought their guns with them. Um, that was uh, one possible explanation that was given to me by uh, another ATF agent I spoke with. How big of a problem, you know, and we see cars being broken into, and I talked to Sheriff Joe Lapinto of Jefferson Parish about this earlier, but how big of a problem are stolen guns, and are there numbers to indicate from where they're being stolen? Um, so most law, for, uh, law enforcement officials I've spoken with, um, they say that guns are an increasingly large problem in their jurisdictions. Um, I actually covered the issue from a Baton Rouge perspective back in July, and when I spoke with the police department there, um, I was told that although they weren't really able to give me exact numbers for previous years um, at the time, anecdotally, they were seeing a huge increase in the number of guns being confiscated off the streets. Uh, in particular, I spoke with uh, Lieutenant Lorenzo Coleman, who told me that gun theft is a big problem for law enforcement because when a gun is stolen um, and used in a crime, it makes it a lot harder for law enforcement to uh, track it back to the person who did the shooting uh, because tracing the, re the weapon really can only tell them who it was sold from, not who fired it. All right, let me take a break. We'll pick it up here. we come back. We'll talk about straw purchases. Elise Carmasino is our guest. Am I saying that right, Elise? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Elise Carmasino, criminal justice reporter with the Baton Rouge Advocate about Louisiana's gun pipeline, where guns are coming from and where they're going. 917-918, call it. I'm Tommy Tucker, back in a flash on WWL. 922 now, pardon me, 922 on this Thursday morning, January 5th, talking to Elise Carmasino, a criminal justice reporter with the Baton Rouge Advocate about Louisiana's gun pipeline, where guns are coming from and where they are going to. Let's talk about straw purchases. What did you find? Um, so aside from stolen guns, as we were talking about earlier, uh, another big problem is straw purchasing, which is when somebody buys a firearm for somebody else uh, who isn't legally able to have one. Um, I think uh, a lot of law enforcement agents I spoke with in Louisiana said that that is a huge problem that they're seeing. Um, 
most that are bought in Louisiana end up staying in Louisiana, but some do make their way to other states. And in Louisiana's case, most of those states are other neighboring southern states. The only thing I don't understand about that, and I don't know if your research went into this or not, is that, you know, it's not uncommon to pay $500 for just a run-of-the-mill handgun, nothing really fancy. So are, are these guns being then sold to criminals who are willing to pay more than that? Because if there's a stolen gun, there's no overhead. I get that. You can sell a gun for 100 bucks or something like that. <laughs> Did your research indicate anything along these lines? Yeah, so um, in Baton Rouge particularly, uh, when I spoke with uh, law enforcement agents over there, um, they were saying that, uh, yeah, there is a, a huge market for um, straw purchasing. A lot of times people will... Um, are willing to pay those prices because they would rather purchase a gun from a, a store where they can uh, choose what kind of weapon they want for whatever they are planning to use it for, as opposed to um, just stealing the gun where they kind of just have to uh, rely on whatever they can find. Yeah, but I guess I was thinking about the economics of it, where if you, if I'm going to straw purchase a gun from a store, I'm going to be paying a lot more. Are you talking about straw purchasing on the street? Well, so uh, if somebody is not able to purchase a firearm um, because of a criminal background, uh, they would. There is a market to hire somebody to pay somebody to go buy that firearm, and then they'll pay the extra price for that. Okie dokie. Let's that talk. About, let's talk about E-Trace because I'm a little bit confused here in terms of reuniting guns with owners because there is supposed to not be a national firearm registry. But how do, does ATF go about finding out who owned the gun originally via serial number? They would have to know where the gun was sold to find that, right, or not? Yes, yeah, so um, this went a little bit beyond the scope of uh, our reporting for this story, but um, my understanding is that uh, there is, uh, when, when you enter a gun serial number into the E-Trace system, um, you can just see where it was uh, manufactured, so you can trace it back to that. Um, there's no other uh, record of that weapon, you know, after it's, you know, first purchased. So maybe you could see where it was manufactured, and from that point they can tell you where the gun went or to what distributor or what store, et cetera? Um, I, I'm not, I can't really answer that. So what was your big takeaway from the story, Elise? Um, so one thing that I found interesting, um, I made a lot of cold calls to law enforcement agencies in the area, um, and all the departments I spoke with happened to use the ATF E-Trace program. Um, all of them, or most of them were pretty in favor of it. Uh, some of them were more neutral. Uh, most of them talked about how it helped them either solve homicides, uh, or reunite firearms with their, uh, original owners, um, in particular, I spoke with uh, Sheriff Willie Martin in St. James Parish, which, like Baton Rouge and New Orleans, has also seen a huge rise in gun violence in recent years. And he was very in favor of the program. He said that it helps give his detectives important contacts in some criminal investigations uh, that allow them to connect the dots between crimes. Any final thoughts, Elise? Um, no, I think think we covered it all. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your time. I really do. Elise Carmasino, criminal justice reporter with the Baton Rouge Advocate, talking about the gun pipeline. Uh, somebody texted in and said, thugs go to pawn shop, have my buddy buy the gun and give him the money for it. Simple. I understand the concept of a straw purchase, but I, and again, I've never purchased a gun from a pawn shop, so I don't know how much they cost. But I would think 
the market, underground market for guns would primarily be stolen guns because just a, a no-frills Smith & Wesson revolver is going to run you about 500 bucks, and I don't think the average thug is going to pay $500 for a weapon. I think instead there would have to be a black market for this, and that's where the guns are being purchased. That's just me saying that. I, I don't have any uh, statistics on that or anything. Somebody texted in and said, I work in law enforcement with ATF all the time, and compiling those statistics is incredibly difficult. And again, with no federal registry of firearms, how you would reconnect a gun with its owner, I guess, would be you would have to see from the serial number of the gun, presuming it's still on the gun, and it's a federal offense to have a serial gun, uh, a, a gun without a serial number on it. Then you could then see what factory was manufactured at, and I guess from there go to the store or wherever the gun was shipped, whoever had the federal firearms license for that, and then maybe research it to see who the owner was. Because I guess maybe they can look for, with the straw purchase, a gun, a specific gun that they're looking for, but I guess not being a criminal, I'm thinking that a, a criminal will just take whatever gun the, the gun seller had to say, the black market gun seller had to sell and not be specific. But maybe I'm wrong. Let's take a break. We come back. We'll talk to Ronnie Johns, chair of the Gaming Control Board, about sports betting in Louisiana, 928. Time for traffic now on WWL. <laughs> 